That's Williams in motion. Low snap. Melrose stopped. Michigan makes a stand and comes up with a milestone playoff victory. I don't know about you guys, but I could listen to that over and over and over. Michigan, Rose Bowl winners, playoff game winners, defeat Alabama 27-20. to They're heading to the national championship game. We have been talking all year about Natty or Bust, and now we're going to find out. Michigan will play for a national championship against Washington. You are here with Hail to the Podcast, the number one Michigan podcast, according to a survey I took with my family during Christmas. Our moms. Yep. We are <laughs> going to <laughs> we're gonna break down, obviously, the, the Rose Bowl game and everything that went down and look ahead to Washington and what other future things we may discuss. Obviously, if you are watching us live on YouTube, hop in the comment section, be part of the conversation, ask us questions. If you're watching this on playback or through podcasts, make sure you check us out on YouTube. Like, subscribe, notification bell, so you know when we go live. Uh, we love having you folks join us in these conversations. But anyway, we're all coming down here. Josh Henschke, our Intel insider and publisher, Amazing Blue Review. Sir, how are you doing? Oh, never better, my friend. Never better. Never better. Josh might have got his trolling thumbs working late last night <laughs> on the X Twitter, whatever the hell we're calling that thing now. <laughs> but, and then just in literally like within the last 20 or 30 minutes back home from Los Angeles, our man in the sky, Mr. Brock Heilig, who, I don't know, you watched the Rose Bowl big game. I'm sure you got nothing to talk about. How are you doing? I'm doing great. That was, <laughs> that was incredible. I, I really can't stop smiling. That was a moment. I'll remember forever. Um, I was honored to be there. That's, I mean, that's, we'll get into this, but that's, in my opinion, the biggest win in program history. Um, and they're at the Rose Bowl against Alabama, against Nick Saban, the greatest head coach in college football history. It, it, it didn't get much better than that. And it was a pleasure to be there. Um, just an incredible, incredible day yesterday. And I got my rose too. It's, it's yeah, holding on barely. Yeah, the, the, the <laughs> petals are about to fall off there, but I got it. So that rose must have belonged to JC Latham. But hey, let's go ahead. <laughs> let's go ahead and start with the big picture. I don't have a problem with that. Um, I was asked this question when I appeared on SiriusXM hey, today. Hey. What? Ooh, yeah, nice. Look at that. Oh, that's funny. So the boys have Arnold Palmer's some nice light tea. I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't get a chance to mention that Arnold I have alert. I have my whiskey. <laughs> uh, have not had one for the last few weeks because I feel like I've had a constant cold coming and going for whatever. So uh, after that Rose Bowl victory, I went with some Blands. For those of you that understand that that's a nice little glass, that's what I'm drinking tonight. But anyway, you guys enjoy your tea. Um, hey. Little meme. Enjoy your tea. Big picture. We, we talked about this on our Bleach Report podcast too, Josh. And as in the moment, it's easy to feel this way. I know it's still only been a day. But in terms of the, the Harbaugh checklist, man, right? We, not winning a big game, not winning as an underdog, not winning on the road, not beating Ohio State, not getting into Indy, not winning Big Ten, not getting to playoff, what, right, on and on and on and on. That win... 
I, I'm glad it was Bama. We've talked about that whole charade with Bama and Florida State. I'm glad it was Bama. I felt like the team took it more serious in some ways, right? And I know that might have been lessons learned from TCU. But anyway, like Brock just said, Alabama, Nick Saban, playoff. I know they still have the natty to win, right? Mm-hmm. Could potentially win the national championship. But even then, I, I feel like depending on how that game goes, people are going to remember this game almost more than whatever happens in the natty, right? So as we sit here today, is that the biggest win in, in the 144 years of Michigan football? Hard to argue against it, and um, and they will win the natty. Um, you heard it here first. They will. Michigan's going to win the national championship, and um, that was essentially – the national championship in a nutshell right there, that, that game, you know, I think the winner of that game was going to win the national championship. And, um, you know, it's, it's Michigan's to lose at this point. I I said going into this game that Michigan is the most complete team left. Um, even, you know, going up against Alabama and I firmly believe that they are the best team uh, the best team, the most complete team left out there. And they can beat you in, in so many ways. And the, just the magnitude of how Michigan won this game, despite all of their best efforts trying to derail them themselves, uh, and just what this season has meant to this program and what's happened, um, a lot of it, you know, self-inflicted, whether you want to agree with it or not, you know, it is self-inflicted, a lot of it. Um, yeah, I agree, 100%. I think this is the most important victory, the best victory, the most memorable victory in program history um, so far. I think what happens on Monday, obviously, will either, um, I think, make or break that. I think, you know, people will be like, oh, great, we, you know, the Michigan beat Bama but lost the national championship. I mean, I think you gotta, you gotta, you gotta seal the deal at this point. And I, I don't see why they don't, or I really, I really don't. I really don't see why Michigan can't uh, seal the deal here from watching Washington play. I mean, yes, they're a good team and yes, they deserve to be there. Excuse me, be there. But I haven't really seen anything that makes me go, Oh boy, you know, uh, this is, this is freaking me out. You know, I mean, you've got, we'll see the quarterback named almost after a human appendage um, was going to put up some numbers and is going to get his own. But, you know, I, I, I think Michigan is the most complete team left in this, in this race. And uh, they're going to, they're going to get it done. We will get to Michael appendage later. Brock, <laughs> your thoughts. His name is not Richard. Okay. <laughs> Give me one of those. Uh, <laughs> uh, Brock, you, you kind of brought up the topic, so I feel like I already know how you feel, but just your thoughts on, on... – now, granted, you're you're 20 years old, right? So <laughs> – No, he's 21. He's 20. You're 21. Oh, you turned now, 21? Right? I did. I turned 21. Hey, yeah. happy birthday. Yep. Yeah. Thanks. Hey, here's a drink for you. <laughs> the big boy's all grown up now. Yeah. He's got yeah. his big boy pants on. Still can't rent a car yet, but, you know, it's okay. <laughs> that is Getting so there. funny to me. Like, how do they pick 25? Yeah, I don't know. doesn't make any know. sense. Yeah. No, sorry, Brock. Your, your thoughts, program, where this ranks. Yeah. Uh, you guys could probably help out with a little more of the, the 
pre 2000 stuff than I could, but I think the, the, the only ones that come to mind right off the bat are 2021 Ohio state. But I don't think that compares just because there was much more on the line in this game than there was in that game. A spot in the national. That was, that was a bigger relief, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. it was more of a sigh of relief against yeah. Ohio State, and, and that's up there, though. That's that's certainly a day that'll live on in in Michigan history for sure. And I think the only other one that really compares is the 1998 Rose Bowl against Washington State. But even still, Michigan didn't outright win the national championship that year. It was technically, if you want to call it, shared with Nebraska. <sighs> So, and I know a lot of people have strong opinions on that, but even that one, Michigan, <laughs> Michigan wins that game, and then there still is a little bit of controversy, and it's not, you know, specifically determined that Michigan was the national champion. So, I mean, I feel like those are the only two that really come to mind. Uh, it was it was a magical day. I mean, Michigan beats the team that has been ruling college football for 15 years now, and they do it in the most iconic stadium in the country. And they do it after having all the the players come back to specifically win that game. I, I feel like it's, it's a day that's going to be talked about for a long, long time. And like Josh said, Michigan needs to win on Monday because, you know, I think, I think however we'll perceive what happened yesterday will be determined by whether Michigan wins the national championship if they go and lose to Washington, people aren't going to look at this Alabama game the same way. But if they go and win, it'll be it'll be the greatest two game stretch in program history without a doubt. And I feel like it probably won't be touched ever, or at least for a very long time. I'm oh, you gave me so many things. I'm about to rant about <laughs> the conspiracy theories of a pissed off Philip Fulmer and Peyton Manning not getting the Heisman and the coaches pull and blah 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 but anyway yeah it's kind of tough to because pre-bcs we didn't get games like this right so you can bring up you know bo's win in 69 over ohio state um i i think 97 ohio state the the rose bowl you're right i mean iconic i've got it right here um but beating washington state right this is i mean this is almost out of a movie right bama mm-hmm. like you said they're, they're 15 years of dominance and that has not been a normal thing throughout the history of college football where one team is this dominant. And when I just think about narratives, I think that's a real big key for like, okay, this game, what does this game mean? It's, it's about destroying narratives. And there was a lot of narratives destroyed in this one. Right. So we saw leading up to this game, it was so weird how people weren't picking Michigan. They're favored by Vegas, not by a ton, but for anyone who follows gambling, tons of money was pouring in on Alabama and Vegas never moved the line. They're perfectly fine being vulnerable on Bama, right? It wasn't till the day of where some of the sharks start coming in and the money moved actually the line closer to Michigan being more favored, right? Analytics had this as, guess what? A seven or eight point game, right? They got to the total we all kind of thought they would our, our staff predictions were all very close to this score how they got there like josh said probably much different than any of us expected right yeah. in terms of some of the mistakes they made and such but nick saban month to prepare his record and tarball struggling in bowl games and blah 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 like all of that's gone i do think a national championship is obviously a bow on 
the whole thing. It, it makes everybody feel better. But I think there was enough things accomplished in this game that if they were to lose the Natty somehow, it's still something they can build on. But again, with this whole Natty or bust mentality, it, you, you got to finish the job. I, I, I do agree with that. Um, but I, I, I'm also... I don't know. In, in the moment, it, it, it's definitely the biggest. I wonder, I made the joke about uh, the Miracle on Ice in 1980. How everybody thinks the U.S. beating Soviet Union was the championship, but it was actually the next game was the championship. Mm-hmm. as was a semifinal. I wonder if that's how it'll be viewed. What was it, 29 million viewers or something? Most watched non-NFL sporting event. Like just, I mean, Michigan and Bama are always getting tons of viewers, so not shocking to see that. But the, the other narrative that is has been slowly fading since Michigan beat Penn state without Jim Harbaugh since Michigan beat Ohio state without Jim Harbaugh was obviously the, the Connor stallions and the entire saga around that we saw Mr. Pete Feinbaum today forced to double down on his will Michigan's championship be tainted in any way. And he had to say no, right? Jim Harbaugh out coached Nick Saban. Jim Harbaugh outcoached Nick Saban, Pete Feinbaum. I'm going to keep calling him Pete. I don't care. Had to say those words, right? And even for his entertainment purposes or whatever you want to call it, right? Mr. McAfee today said something. I just kind of candidly came out basically like, hey, the, the football gods are starting to tell me that maybe this whole thing you guys had me freaking out about was bull crap, right? Like, I think people mm-hmm. are starting to finally get like, hey, I know they made this sound like a huge deal, but it wasn't right. People freaked out. Connor Stallions was at the Rose Bowl. Josh, <laughs> Josh, we know he was also at the Big Ten Championship game yeah. and whatever. Right. OK. <laughs> <laughs> People freaking out about that, though, I think brings light on why the whole scandal was so stupid. There's a hundred thousand people in that stadium. Any one of them could be recording. So he sent a couple college kids to record and people like, are we looking at we're going to let this fly? Well, he should be banned from stadiums. What do you think he could do just standing there, right? Well, he's a free man now. He can do what he wants. It's just <laughs> hilarious to me. So so Vince brought this up in the comments, and it's got, it kind of had my mind already going here anyway. But but Josh, the, the ESPN, right, <laughs> has been kind of leading it. The haters, yeah. if you will, right? Some MSU fans and some Ohio State fans are still trying to say, oh, you cheated, you cheated. And, oh, wait till the NCAA comes raining down and blah, blah, blah. When this first came out, people who didn't know much about football were like, oh, yeah, they sign stealing. That sounds terrible. And anyone who played football was like, bro, we've been doing that since high school. What? <laughs> right? And then even coaches were like, eh. And then, of course, it became a story and it was clickbait and it got dragged out. But that narrative where it sits now and how people have to stand in, in Michigan has just continued winning. Winning fixes everything, man. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? You get to say to everyone, suck it. That's all you can say. <laughs> and that's the response. And that's the response. ESPN, you know, all they must be in shambles right now because they've got two clock <laughs> teams going into the championship. Absolute shambles. Um, just all of these people that are, you know, trying to downplay the national championship and what Michigan's done, you just sit there and you just say, suck it and just laugh at the, at the tears that are flowing from people 
knowing that Michigan fans are going to be absolutely insufferable for an entire year if Michigan <laughs> they're so scared. They, 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 <laughs> they don't, don't want Michigan to, to be it. good because that fan base and I can and I can say this because I you know I, I I love the Michigan fan base. They're great, but they can be an annoying as hell. And it's this year it's deserved. They you can be as annoying as you want to be because all of the bullshit that was posted out there about this entire sign stealing stuff, the, uh, the, 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 the cheeseburger stuff, whatever you want to call it, all of that stuff, you know, was, was piling on at that point. I mean, I didn't need to know that Connor Stallion sold vacuums out of his house. Oh, that feels no like one, a lifetime ago. Speaking of suck it, I don't need, I didn't need to know about his vacuum obsession. Right, that, I know that, more about that Connor. picture of his porch with all of that. <laughs> uh, I've known more about Connor. What a saga! In the past three months, than I would care to know. Ever, you know, this guy. I mean, he works for Michigan. That's fine, but all of this crap that Michigan fans have put up with is the you have every right to rub it in the face of everyone that is going to say that that Michigan cheated and or Michigan didn't deserve the national championship. Well, you know what? You can't take it away from them. Yeah, yeah, they can the NCAA could vacate the wins and all that stuff. They're not going to. And they're not going to because they don't have the balls to do anything because well, and it would be unprecedented for this type of I don't want to get into that. We've talked about it a bunch. Right. Exactly. Well, they don't have the balls to 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 do it and, you know, the Big Ten doesn't have the balls to support Michigan after after the uh, Rose Bowl win too. So that it's kind of it's it's hilarious and sad how um, you know the the SEC commissioner congratulated Michigan. We haven't heard a peep from Tony Petiti. So um, it, it's just it's just sad. I've got a word in my mind, but I don't know if I'm allowed to say it on the podcast. It starts with a C and ends with a K. Um, so. And, and the second letter is U, not an O, but I guess both letters could be fine. Um, but it, 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 they cannot take Kirk. Yeah, Kirk. <laughs> cork. He's, a, he's a cork. Yeah. You, you can't take what Michigan experienced and what the fan base experienced yesterday. You can't take you can't take this away from anyone. Yeah, last and time you I have checked, every not a... right to shove it in people's faces. <laughs> And to tell everyone, suck it, because you've put up with this bullshit oh, for, for three months. You've put up with this every six o'clock news dump, and that's oh, what it is. Yeah. It's a dump. You remember how a, miserable we were? Yeah. Dude, ESPN just straight up spread cheek, <laughs> cheek and just drop trowel and just let it dump. It, it, that's what it was the past three months of this shit. I mean, it, let's be honest. It is shit. And so it, it's, this is like the amalgamation. This is a big word, right? This is the amalgamation of everything that, that Michigan's been through this year. Harbaugh's quote. That's where you got yep. it. From. Yep. Well, I, I already knew that word existed. No, yeah, but that's where you got it. <laughs> I'm a well-traveled yeah. scholar. I already knew that word existed. Anyways. Where, where have you lived except Howell? 
Australia. Oh, that's right. Ah, shit. shit. <laughs> Another suck it going around. Uh, it's going around. It's so. At the end of the day, I forgot you were born in Australia. That's yes, exactly. I I was born in Germany and I lived in Germany. Yeah, not scholarly enough. <laughs> oh. The the, hey, the joy the joy that Michigan fans felt yesterday. You cannot, have to scream over him, Brock. There's a, there's no other way. You cannot take <laughs> that away from fans. And if Michigan pulls this thing off, you have every right to be mouthy loud and whatever you want to call it, you have the right to do that because this has been earned. It hasn't been given. It's been earned. And, um, you know, people will say what they will, but you can't take away what, what yesterday meant to the fan base and the, and the program too. I mean, that's the most important part of the program. Obviously you can't take that away. What that meant to them. I want to shift gears uh, a little bit here. Maybe one of you guys can pull up this comment uh, from your average fan. It's a little bit higher up there, but how fitting is it? Josh that... is the king of saying it without saying no, it. Is that the one? That. The one about, <laughs> the one, one about the Washington. Washington. Yeah, you yes. brought you brought this up a few weeks ago. The possibility yes. of this. Yeah, because Michigan, if if Alabama hadn't beaten Georgia, Michigan was going to play Washington in the first round of the playoff. Yep. How fitting is it though that? Two and a half almost years ago now, in September of 2021, when this whole thing started for Michigan. Michigan, you know, they, they beat Western Michigan in the first week of the 2021 season. And everyone's like, okay, like it's Western Michigan coming off a two and four year. Great. We beat Western Michigan, right? That's what the, all the fans were saying. No one started. Then you, go, then you go and beat Washington. And People, st- I remember I was at that game and, and people started looking around like, okay, this this could be something here. And Michigan didn't hardly throw the ball at all that game, uh, but it didn't matter. Well, foreshadowing and, for three years. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, and how fitting is it that right now in, in January of 2024, Michigan's going to play Washington in the national championship game to cap off the best three-year run in, in program history. It, it, there really should be a documentary about it because it, I mean, it's just, it's poetry how it all started with Washington. Michigan's been through all this stuff. And now here it is Washington again in the national championship to, to cap it off. I think that's just, that's incredible. That's, that's awesome. Sports, man. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That game basically started the, uh, the Mr. Brightside tradition. I think that was the, the start of it. You know, everyone under the lights and then everyone started singing it and then that got viral over the internet and then they started doing it from that point on so i think that was the the launching pad of that well, game just the entire vibe of the team and, and feeding off the crowd and feeding i mean remember that was the year with the road game against wisconsin right yeah. there's so many moments where we were like okay this is different yeah you know jump around with wisconsin the the light show thunderstruck with nebraska Right. Just just in general, because you're right, Brock, it was all talk at that point. That was the beginning of what have you done to beat Ohio State today? Right. And then Hutch and Harbaugh and what the, beat Ohio State or die trying. And everybody's like, oh, my God, here we, <laughs> yeah. here we go again. Right. And that Washington game was kind of the first like, OK, all right, maybe we believe. All yeah. right. And then the MSU loss was like, bloop. <laughs> yeah, it's you know? funny. It's funny looking at that game. And now it's pretty much a flipped script for Washington. I mean, we, we were talking about how good Washington's defense is. I mean, they had 
NFL. NFL yeah. And now the Washington defense is good, but it's not 2021 good. Muhammad, Their offense was if Muhammad's healthy, that corner. <laughs> yeah. That dude is yeah, they do have good players, but I would say their offense far outweighs their defense this year. Yep. So it's kind of a kind of a flip. I mean, their offense was booty cheeks in that game. I mean, it they was. were awful. Now it's it's a complete role reversal. I, mm-hmm. I would say the offense is more um, making more plays than the defense is, and I think this defense, you know, or Michigan's offense matches up really well with with Washington's defense. And I think it, you could see a similar game plan where they just gouge you to death with, with Blake Corum, with these runs and, and playing physical, because that's the thing with finesse teams. I mean, Michigan used to struggle with finesse teams. I mean, especially they remind me very much of, uh, I know someone mentioned it in the comments, or 2021 Ohio state. Exactly right. And Michigan matches up really well with finesse teams and, you know, finesse teams aren't necessarily soft that's only reserved for ohio state um the the you know you can be a tough team and be uh you know finesse unlike if you're ohio state you can't be you can't be finesse and tough i mean you're you're just a finesse and soft so um i wanted to make sure i i uh, made that abundantly clear is the toilet paper still on your desk it is (laughs) it is I, I know you don't. I don't go in my office very often, so I uh, I just left the toilet paper here for a memento. Oh, I have. You want to see it? Yeah, go ahead. You guys want to see the toilet paper? <laughs> this is this is a keyboard cleaner. I'm not huffing this, by the way. This is just, <laughs> cleaning, legit cleaning. So these rants aren't fueled by doing whippets. Let's. Uh, here it is. That's fantastic. Call it. I'm call it Ryan. Let's. Uh, <laughs> Let's look back at Bama a little bit more before we look ahead to Washington um, and how they won this game. And, you know, the the biggest concern coming in was arguably or obviously uh, Jalen Milrow. 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 Why did I say his name here? Jalen Milrow. Um, And what he can do with his legs and especially deep throws as well. And, you know, I wrote a, a bunch of different articles leading up to it about how I hoped Michigan didn't play safe. I didn't want to see too many spies. I didn't want to see them, you know, backing off and trying to contain him. Get after him, right? Don't give him time to throw the deep ball. Give up a few runs. We've seen this with the Michigan Ben don't break thing. Give up a few runs, right? Take out everything else. And, and I don't know if people really realize to the level that they did. He was 16 of 23 for 116 yards, right? This is a guy that was like third in the nation in yards per attempt, one of the best deep ball passers. They took the two deep shots. Rod Moore was in a great spot on one, Will Johnson on the other, and then they didn't really seem to go back to it. So Michigan kept the roof on, and yes, he got some runs, but 21 rush attempts, only 63 yards. His longest one was 18. Dude's got multiple 20-plus yard runs on the year. So they, they, they largely contained him. No touchdown passes, didn't get any interceptions, I kind of thought maybe, especially at the start of the game with, with those sacks, it, that was unreal, right? We knew Michigan could create pressure, but converting those into sacks has been a difficulty um, for this team throughout the year. Five sacks in the first half, so the, the, the edge, the interior, creating pressure. And, and then on offense, I thought the first half, Michigan was looking really good, obviously, and then third quarter, it, it felt like a struggle until we get to the, the incredible fourth quarter, which we'll, we'll get into it a little bit more detail, but Josh, just in terms of Michigan's game plan, 
on defense. Mm-hmm. Again, I was just really shocked with some of this coverage all week because it's like, yes, we cover Michigan, right? We, we want Michigan to do well. Um, but like I look at numbers and I watch film stuff and I can be reasonable, right? All of the Bama people are predicting Bama blowouts. And it's like, well, Michigan's defense, they haven't, you know, that's because they go against Big Ten offenses. As if analytics don't consider these things, right? Like it just makes me, anytime people say that, like, the way these rankings work is they consider the opponent. It's all adjusted for that. Michigan's defense is legit. You guys are crazy. Yep. And oh, I wish I remembered you said it. Uh, I can't. I think it was Bud Elliott on Cover Three podcast said Michigan has the front seven that everyone thinks the SEC has. Yep. Is that you? Yeah. What is that? I don't know. It's a very low flying plane or something that's outside my window. <laughs> uh oh. It's the feds. Nope, all those Ohio State comments. They're they're looking at you. (laughs) Red dot on my forehead. The firm has been hired. No, but but anyway, I a lot of respect I think was earned. I've I've seen that flip. Like, oh yeah, these guys are legit, right? So the the defense, which has been the best in college football year, which we've argued is maybe the best in Michigan football history, and and Jesse Minter, give him his roses, if you will. Mm. Yeah, I mean what a what a game plan i mean that that's they might have been last year might have been guilty of trying to be too cute with it and that's just just you need to just look at it and say that's just they played to their strengths they did what they had to do minter called a hell of a game i mean you know the the chess match part of it i mean the way he just just runs circles around offensive coordinators is, is wild. I mean, Tommy Reese has taken another loss to Michigan. Um, it's just unbelievable uh, what, what he was able to do um, in that, in that game yesterday from a defensive standpoint. And it was all game too. I mean, they're really, yeah. I mean, Alabama was going to get their own. They were going to get theirs, um, but it never looked like anyone was out of place. I mean, Will Johnson had what two targets all game. Josh Wallace, again, another incredible game. I mean, it's just it's just unbelievable what they're able to do. And, again, it's the transfers that you hear that are just doing an incredible job on defense. Josiah Stewart had a great game. Josh Wallace, obviously. It just Ladarius Henderson had a, had, a, had a pretty good game himself, too. It's just there's identification of talent and utilizing this talent is just incredible. It's an incredible job by the staff. It's just, you know, the, the for the one day for you to play your best on defense, that was the day to do it. And, you know, maybe they didn't play their absolute best, but they played pretty damn close to their best. I mean, it's just it, every week now it's becoming just a thing that's just like, well, boy, you know, this offense, you know, what can this offense do against Michigan's defense? They've proven every time they've checked every box along the way. I just don't think there's any, any defense that, or excuse me, any offense that Michigan faces that they won't be able to handle at this point. There's nothing that's going to confuse this team. And it helps that you've got so many veterans too, that have seen a lot of ball, played a lot of ball and, you can't get much by a veteran player. And and that's kind of why you see it in basketball 
too. You know, the veteran teams make it mostly make it in the in the NCAA tournament. You know, the 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 guys that have played a bunch of basketball together too. That's the most important part. They've played a lot of basketball together, and um, yeah, I mean, and having coaches that put you in the position to win. So, yeah, I mean, Jesse Minter, defensive staff. Uh, you know, I think Jim Harbaugh. That a lot of the success has to do with the staff and keeping it mostly intact for the last three years. Um, you know, for the the fact that Michigan didn't play their best game and they were still able to beat Bama. Uh, just, I mean, that that leaves so much room for opportunity against Washington. Who, um, you know. <laughs> I don't know if they're they're similar talent wise to to Alabama. You know, you could say you could probably make the the claim that Alabama has more talent, but you know the the opportunity you could definitely make that claim. Well, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but, but well, just I yeah, heard all year about it. According to twenty four seven composite, literally this I think it's the second compared to last year best team in terms of recruiting rankings ever. Yeah, right? but young. Not cohesive. Um, Dallas Turner. He was on a note card. Bro, declaring for the draft immediately. <laughs> I thought it was a joke. Yeah. I thought somebody put it up like, ha, ha, ha. Immediately. Like, nah, oh, dude, yeah. I'm done. You know, right. the, the, big thing, the big thing I saw Wild. yesterday from teams that were not Michigan, especially during the Texas game, you had receivers throwing their hands up in the air going, give me the ball, give me the ball you know, after an incomplete pass or getting pissed off, you never see that from Michigan players. You never see the the selfishness of, hey, give me the ball. I need the ball. It's That's what separates Michigan from almost everyone, is that this team is just such a cohesive unit in all phases. And, and yes, special team included. Yes, they struggled, but they're a cohesive unit. And I think that's th- that this is why... Michigan is going to win the national championship is because they're just together. They don't make mistakes. Granted yesterday was an anomaly with special teams. It was an anomaly. It's just, they did things that they never did before, but they don't make mistakes. They don't beat themselves and they, and they also don't fold when adversity strikes and name me a team in college football that's had as much adversity as Michigan's had this year. You can't, there's, there's no one. And so I think all of that piled together and what Michigan did yesterday has me believing that Michigan's going to win on Monday by double digits. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I'm thinking maybe 10 or 11, um, 10 or 11 points. And I think all of that is my reasoning. Um, and yeah, as, as John mentioned in the comments too, the, the natural turf messed up. Yeah. I think they don't practice. They don't play on grass. They don't practice on grass. They only practice on grass when they have to play on grass. And I think you saw what happened, you know, with, with grass, it messed them up. So, um, all of those reasons, long story short, I still think Michigan wins on Monday. And, um, yeah, I think this is a truly is a team of destiny. And they just have to go out and, and do the job on Monday. Yeah, I totally agree. I want to go back to something Trevor brought up uh, with the defense. I, I tweeted this out last night, I think it was. If I told people that Michigan was going to muff two punts 
even though, granted, they did recover one of them. Muff two punts, miss a field goal, and miss an extra point, botch, botch the snap. I think basically everyone would have said there's no way they're going to beat Alabama. But, I mean, it's just that's just a testament to how good the Michigan defense is that they can still win a game when they muff two punts, miss a field goal, and miss an extra point. I mean, I mean, we just got to give Jesse Minter the most unbelievable amount of credit. It was, it was a masterclass yesterday. I mean, he, uh, it was incredible. They, Trevor, you brought up the the sack numbers. What was it? Five in the first half and mm-hmm. one or two in the second half as well. There were, if I remember correctly, two two Alabama drives that Michigan had two sacks. The yeah, first the, the first, first drive of the game where it was Braden McGregor and Josiah Stewart. And then there was another drive, I think it was later in the in the first half, where Barrett got one, and then there was a combination of, of Colson and maybe someone else. Even one sack on a drive is enough to to really put the opposing offense behind the, the sticks and, and basically be almost a drive killer, but two sacks. At that point, you're looking at, at major field position change. So so in a game where you're only getting, I don't know, 10 possessions maybe that Alabama had, I don't know the exact number, and two of them are are killed and, and you're pushed way back due to multiple sacks on one drive, it's, it's incredible. And, you know, you can't, you can't have Jalen Milrow hurting you when you get to him before he can look to run. Right. And, and that's what Michigan did yesterday. They, they, like you mentioned, Trevor, they didn't play it safe. They didn't sit back and, and spy him. I think I didn't watch any film, but I heard a lot of talk about how Georgia tried to do a two spy approach on Milrow. Yep. And it, it, it didn't work. They obviously lost. Michigan was more aggressive. They, they, the pass rush was unbelievable. All those guys up front were great. All all week we heard talk about how big Alabama's offensive line was, and you know six 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 seven three fifty. Harbaugh was talking about it a little bit, and then the Michigan defensive line comes out and, and bullies. They they bullied them, yeah. And and I was talking with Braden McGregor in the locker room after the game, and he said, you know, Alabama was looking to be the bully. We got to be the bully first by punching him in the mouth, and and that's what he did there on on literally Alabama's first play, first offensive snap. Braden McGregor gets the sack. Yeah, I mean, it was just a, a great, great performance by the Michigan defense. I'm really looking forward to that that Washington game. I know they have a really high-powered offense. Will Johnson and and Rome Adunze, I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, that's going to be a, a great matchup to watch, but uh, th- this Michigan defense is incredible. They, have, they haven't allowed more than 24 points in a game all year. And they they average whatever it is probably ten or eleven now that they gave up twenty yesterday, but just just an, an incredible defensive unit. Yeah, when when we came into this game and, and I talked about you know why Michigan's been so good this year and what the keys to victory are going to be. Obviously, we talked about turnover margin. They were second in the country, just behind Penn State. They end up going even on turnovers. You have the McCarthy interception that wasn't meant to be. Thankfully, which props to that ref, by the way, who threw his hat down immediately and caught that. I thought that was pretty impressive, but they get the fumble from Milrow, drive a little bit, miss the field goal. So not doing what they need to do in the turnover department. Um, penalties was 
you know, they largely let them play, if you will. Um, but yeah, the, the sacks, six of them, 49 yards in losses, tackles for loss. They had a total of 10. Uh, obviously, Mason Graham's late in, in the overtime that kind of pushed them back. Um, also, too, a big thing we talked about, Nick Saban is very old school and risk adverse, if you will. And they don't go for it on fourth down a lot. And Michigan has been incredible this year at not only going for it on fourth down, making it right, completing it, but just the, the timing, they've really, really seemed to nail that down. And that, that fourth and two on that last drive where they've got three timeouts, there's still about four minutes left on the clock. Right. I, I wonder if a different Jim Harbaugh would have punted that ball away. If they were confident in the play they had and they get it and they end up going two for two on fourth downs in this game, Alabama goes over one. So I wonder how much of that was a factor. And then the defense, Alabama has the number one red zone offense in the country. How do you defend that? You don't let them in the red zone. They only got in there once. Right. So yeah. You, and I saw a few people dropping different names. Yeah. We could say all the names. That's kind of the point that, that Josh made Mason Graham, number one defender. Josh Wallace was number two. Chris Jenkins had one of the best games he's had of the season. Josiah Stewart. We've talked about him with, his three tackles, two sacks, and how good he was against a first-round pick at right tackle. Lil Johnson, we've talked about his coverage. Underrated because you didn't hear their names a lot, but I brought it up in the beginning. Makari Page, Rod Moore, keeping the roof on that defense. Yeah. Quentin Johnson. Massive. Quentin yeah. Johnson as well. Forcing the fumble. Michigan Michigan didn't score on that drive, but that really changed the momentum. That was, that was a big, big play because Alabama was driving to potentially take a two-score lead, I think, so that – that was a huge play too. Let, let's talk a little bit of offense real quick here, and then we'll we'll switch to the Washington game, which you guys are itching <laughs> to get your previews for. Um, I've seen a few people bring this up, so I, I want to talk about it in some way. Obviously, there was some concern. You lose Zach Zenter. That's your best offensive lineman, right? And, and we talked about how Carson Barnhart moving to right guard is probably a more natural place for him, and you're kind of accidentally upgrading right tackle because of how good Trent Jones has been. And we saw that, Josh, you brought it up, Dallas Turner, nowhere to be seen next to Trent Jones. And people have asked, why haven't we played him all year, whatever, right? Um, here's what we'll say. For those that don't know, it's on whatever. Jones had some things bigger than football going on. And he's done an incredible job, and the team's done an incredible job of finding a really good place for him to be. He was happy, the team was happy, in the role he was contributing in. And when this whole thing went down, um, I saw a quote he he said recently, basically like, I'm ready to be the guy now, mm -hmm. right? And that, that's basically what happened. He's at a place now where he he's ready to do this job, and damn, <laughs> best pass blocker, allowed his first pressure of the year, best run blocker in the game, right? So the guy replacing Zach Zinter, not directly at right guard, but being added to the starting lineup, Trent Jones ends up being Michigan's number one offensive lineman of the day. Uh, Brock, like you said, sports man. Right. You can't come up with stuff like that. Yeah. So JJ was off at times, but 17 of 27, 221 yards, three touchdowns. Yes, please. Right. And and again, just another, I don't know how many times I've used the phrase a Blake Quorum game. Right. But when I say that, you already know, right? 15 to 20 carries. He had 19, right? 60, 80, 90, 100 yards. What? See, everybody keeps saying it's Trente. It is Trente. I know, yeah. but I've seen him say Trent before. It's Trente. And if you go to the MGO blog, MGO Blue, Blue site, it says Trent under the pronunciation. 
pronunciation. Well, he says Trente. <laughs> he says Trente. Because I used to call him Trente, and then I went on that rabbit hole journey, and I found that on the Michigan site where it was Trent. All right, we'll go Trente. Fine. <laughs> I just want you to know I wasn't – I've looked into it. That's why I was so confident. Give the, give the people what they want, Fine. Trevor. Uh, T. Give Jones. It. Yeah, just call him T. Jones from now on. Yeah. <laughs> or just Jones. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, Blake, 19 carries, 83 yards. Touchdown. That makes him <laughs> – uh, <laughs> your average fan it's called him uncle t i think nephew, uh, nephew t <laughs> uncle t uh, oh that's funny uncle t <laughs> what a disaster that was you know what he's uh, referring to right when he says uncle t i know what uncle t is okay but... <laughs> all right all right laugh at the joke it was funny he <laughs> he <laughs> <laughs> Blake Corum with 19 carries, 83 yards, and a touchdown. The touchdown, of course, breaking Anthony Thomas's record. So nobody has rushed for more touchdowns in Michigan football history. Blake Corum, that is a, a crazy thing to say. Props to our Stephen Asantoski, Toski, the GOAT, no cap, who back when everybody was in love with uh, Zach Charbonnet, he was the one that was like, I think Blake Corum is going to be the guy to watch, and he, he was spot on. But – um. Interesting to me in terms of like the adjustment thing. We thought tight ends were going to be a big factor in this game in the middle of the defense going against their linebackers. Donovan Edwards, possibly, you know, in, in the passing game. And Michigan seems very early on to make an adjustment to instead go to speed receivers on crossing routes, which if any of you got chills just now, you remember the years of screaming for crossing routes, yeah. right? Tyler Morris gets his and goes up. Roman Wilson, Samaj Morgan, right? Michigan makes that adjustment. A running back is involved in the passing game. It's Blake Corum, right? So we talked about going into this game that maybe Michigan, the paralysis from analysis, maybe they got too cute. They did too much against TC that we weren't going to see a ton of that, right? They went against tendencies, is, is a big thing that I think. I don't think that they got crazy. People talk about all oh, the trick plays. They've been doing flea flickers in every single game this year. Yeah. That wasn't crazy. It's just Corum got rid of it too fast. Orgy going to pass it. We've been saying since Orgy got his first carry, the next thing you need to do is let him throw it. I would have preferred his target wasn't Kalel Mullings. I thought that was interesting, but props to him for not forcing the throw, whatever. And then, of course, the Donovan Edwards throwback where I don't know how JJ caught that and threw it. I don't know, but that wasn't crazy. They, they've done things like that in big games. This wasn't, you know, on fourth down having Colston Loveland pass it. That's not the same kind of thing we were seeing from Michigan. So again, at the end of the day, the offense does enough. They scored more points than the defense gave up. And that's just kind of been this formula that, that Michigan's been on. Right. And, and when the special teams lacks, they make up for it in other areas. So, the second half was frustrating, but I thought the offense overall performed really, really well. Um, Josh, do you have any? I'm so flustered by this Trente thing. I'm going to start looking at immediately. So uh, go ahead, offense. Yeah, I think a lot of it was execution wise. Um, the players just didn't execute. You know, the, the Samaj had a couple of plays where he could have gotten open after after the catch. Um, you know, one went right through his hands for first down. 
Uh, JJ throwing it behind Tyler Morris where he got the ball and then stumbled a bit and fell short of the sticks. Um, it's just little execution things. And, and, and I know a lot of people on our boards were quick to, to rush the judgment and say this was all Sharon Moore's fault and, and what have you. I take zero. There's, there's, I, there's zero blame on the staff. I think both coordinators called their best games of the year. Um, Sharon particularly, I mean, he was telling the guys since the big 10 championship was over, he was going to be aggressive, leave nothing out there. Uh, no regrets. And yeah, I mean, you, you saw it. I mean, they left everything, they left everything they could out there. And, and I think a lot of it was, uh, execution issues that can be cleaned up. Um, you were not even talking about the special team blunders. I mean, that, that can be cleaned up too. And so I think a lot of it, uh, you know, that it's, it's just the little mental errors that pile up did Michigan in the last, I guess you could say the last two years, even though they got thoroughly beaten by Georgia, but particularly against, uh, uh, TCU, they beat themselves big time. And Michigan tried to beat themselves, especially on offense. They they just they they couldn't execute in in big moments until they did, <laughs> you know, until the fourth quarter at the end there, the the final drive, and and in overtime too. So this stuff can be cleaned up. It's not like Michigan has these wholesale issues that can't be fixed. Um, that these glaring issues heading into the Washington game that they can't clean up. A lot of that stuff is just easily watching tape and cleaning it up. I mean, I you throw that pass to to Samaj Morgan, you know, probably seventy percent of the time he catches that pass and doesn't let it go right through his hands. It's just it's the little stuff like that that can be cleaned up, and the fact that Michigan played as well as they did on offense and defense and still have things to clean up and still could be better that kind of just shows you how complete of a team Michigan is on, on, in, in all facets. You know, I think the special teams is included in that as well. And I, and I think that was a anomaly of all anomalies of what happened yesterday. So again, it goes back to, I think Michigan is the most complete team left in, in the playoff and they proved it yesterday and they're going to go out there on Monday and prove it again with stuff that they can clean up and, I, I don't really have any issues with the offense. I loved how that game was called. It was it was gutsy. It, they called the, the right plays at the right time. Getting Blake Corum involved like they did was brilliant. And you know, there's there's gonna be maybe maybe even some more wrinkles that get thrown out on Monday. I mean, there's still there the thing about Michigan is they don't really show you much on tape offensively. They they're they're so good at basic stuff that they you don't really know what they're going to throw at you because they can just do it all. It's a complete performance, a complete team. And, you know, they don't have as much time to prepare for Washington, but you can think of this as a regular game week. You know, this is a essentially a non-conference opponent that they're preparing for uh, with, with a week. I mean, they've got from Monday to Monday to prepare. And, you know, Tuesday is the, the Monday of the, of the week. And then they'll work from there and they'll arrive in Houston on Friday and, you know, they'll have a practice 
or two before the game. So you're essentially looking at a, you know, a, a regular week. And I, I don't think that, you know, that's going to give any one team an advantage over the other. But I think, you know, when you look at preparation and what Michigan's done, there's nothing that they're going to be surprised with. And, and Michigan, again, what you see is what you're going to get with Michigan. They're going to run the ball down your throat. They're going to run these mesh plays and gash you to death. And there's really nothing that they show on tape that you're going to be, you know, that, like, well, maybe they'll pull this out or, or boy, well, what are they going to do? It's that's just how, just how excellent they've been, you know, all year on offense is that, you know, yeah, the stats aren't sexy, you know, they're not, you know, the number one in, in rushing or number one in passing. And, you know, they're not throwing bombs to the receivers all day, but they kill you. It's like death by a thousand paper cuts. They just, they slice, 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 slice and slice until they finally slice enough where they hit a vein or excuse me, a, um, an artery and you're done. And that's what happened to Bama uh, last, last night. I mean, especially that last drive really crippled them. So I just don't think I, I just, that's why that's why I firmly believe that Michigan is going to win on Monday. Firmly believe that. Josh, you brought up that you didn't really have any issues with the way Michigan ran the offense. I didn't really either, but there was one problem. I guess I had someone brought it up in the comments. I didn't like the way that Michigan was. It seemed like they were kind of force feeding Samaj Morgan. Um, you know, a few a few plays they were. It seemed like they were trying to get him the trying too hard to get him the ball. Um, and he, I mean, Samaj Morgan's a great player. He's he's been the best freshman on the team all season. He's had some great plays this year. But to to try and be purposefully feeding the ball to Samaj Morgan, a freshman in the Rose Bowl in the most important game of the year, I don't know. And especially too after he he um, muffed the punt on that that first punt that Alabama had I was surprised to see him back there again at punt returner and even on offense they were trying to get him the ball uh I don't know he's like I said he's he's been he's been great all year but I don't know he I mean if you if you throw it to Tyler Morris or Cornelius Johnson or Roman Wilson on that slant throw any one of those guys in there instead of Samaj Morgan I think they catch it that was a great ball by by JJ, but um, that was really the only problem I had with the way the way Michigan ran offense. I thought the play calling was fantastic. Sharon Moore did a great job. Um, I will say though, I, I kind of want to combine a little bit of special teams and offense in the same same segment here. I think I thought it was funny that. Michigan put Jake Thaw back there late in the fourth quarter. And funny is not the word I would have used. <laughs> well, I thought I thought it was ironic. I'll say that because they put Jake Thaw back there, and I think I, I, you have to imagine the coaching staff is telling this telling this guy, "Don't muff it." And even if they didn't li- literally say those words to him, that's what everyone was thinking because Samaj Morgan already muffed one, and in the most critical point of the game you put your most reliable guy back there in jake thaw and when you're back there jake thaw had to have been had to have been thinking just don't muff it right when you're thinking so hard just don't muff it just don't muff it just don't muff it i think more times than not no matter how reliable you are you're gonna muff it yeah 
And and that's what he did. Luckily, I mean, I was I was standing right there watching it. He he muffed it. He barely grabbed it and got got right outside the goal line before he he got tackled. But if, if there's anything Michigan needs to needs to work on before Monday against Washington, it's it's special teams. That was that was a disaster that almost cost them the game. But yeah. They, they, they got to – maybe the answer is Tyler Morris. I don't know, but they got to figure out the, the punt returner situation. And I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's the fifteenth game of the year, and I don't it's know not. why, why this is a problem, but it apparently is. I do want to respond real quick to to what to what Brock said about um, Samaj. I I think the big thing. I I don't know if I call it force feeding. I think that's trust. I think that's straight up trust for your for your guy. I mean, if you can't, if you're if you're not just if you're not going to give the kid plays, he's never going to learn the game. He's never going to learn, and and so the, the big thing is they weren't. He was open, you know. They were he was throwing the you know it's not like there it was blanket coverage and he was throwing him the ball. He was open, and that as I meant that play that went right through his hands, he could have got a good you know, maybe a 15, 20 yards if he broke a tackle at the process too. So, um, yeah, I mean, should you maybe get someone older in there, someone more experienced, maybe like a Tyler Morris in that spot? Yeah, maybe. But the kid's never going to learn uh, if if, you're, if he's not in a position to play. And, and um, you know, the muffed punt is what it is at this point. You know, fortunately, it didn't bounce, didn't bite them in the, in the butt there. But you know he's gotta he's he's gotta he's gotta learn eventually, and you know this is that's the you take the good and the bad with true freshmen, and unfortunately yesterday was mostly bad with Samaj, but he's given you so much good this year that he's earned the right to play. So again, a lot of that was execution, but I don't think that was a big indictment that he was getting so much look, so many looks. Um, I think he's earned the right to, to see these looks and, and to see that play and to, to see the time that he got yesterday. I think he's, he became a focal point of the offense and unfortunately it just didn't work out, but fortunately it worked out for Michigan at the end, but it just didn't work out for Samash. Oh, you guys are bad for my ADHD right now. Okay. I literally wrote down notes. Uh, the the Washington Texas film review thing. There are people that for the last month have been already watching Washington and Texas film, getting ready for this. So I'm not concerned about that. The Samaj thing. Yes, he could have learned throughout the entire season. If Samaj Morgan was gonna be the punt returner, why did you wait until the Big Ten championship game? Yeah, to put him back there, and then the Rose Bowl. And Brock, I disagree. When he had the muff punt, I think the worst thing you could have done was take him off the field and not let him go back up there. Now I'm in his head for who knows how long, right? Maybe this is his Roddy Bell moment, as Jake Butt has theorized, or vice versa. Guess what happens when you just say, all right, Jake, your turn now. I just saw Samaj get benched (laughs) for making a mistake back there. I don't play every down, like nervous, like, ugh. And what happened to the 10-yard line rule on punts? Why are these guys fielding punts at the two? Yeah, yeah. Was... let it bounce. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, now Thaw should have 
should have let it bounce. Now, yeah. props. I don't know how he grabbed it, stayed in the way he did. That could have been a horrific <laughs> way to lose that game. But I just yeah. – I don't understand – we talked about the Thaw and Morris thing a lot at the beginning of the year and the going back and forth. I have started to believe the theory that I think what happened to Ronnie Bell in 21 is affecting them. Because if we're being honest, Roman Wilson should have been returning punts all year. Yeah. Right. Experience, ability to get explosive, catch it. Like, right. But they clearly didn't want to do that. And they kind of played around. And it took until this Rose Bowl game for it to sneak up. And that's why I agree with Josh. I don't think special teams are going to be an issue. We knew at the beginning of the year, it was the one area on this defense they could not upgrade. You're not replacing Jake Moody. You're not replacing Brad Robbins. And say what you will about A.J. Henning. He was an experienced returner back there, right? You weren't going to replace those three. But Turner's been phenomenal all year. That was his second missed extra point, I believe. Um, Obviously, he was huge in the Ohio State game. But we saw some funky snaps, some funky holds. Uh, Doman's been a great punter all year. His punts were kind of short. So I'll go with the grass. Ooh, I, I like that theory. I'll go with that. Yeah, um, I mean, the, the proof is wait, in one the more. Room, though, right? I mean, the proof is there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on offense, last thing I got. <laughs> Scheme-wise, the motions they were doing were incredible. Yeah. Oh my gosh, getting mismatches and the, the constant. Oh, it was so good. And I also thought it was really interesting. We've been talking about the inside runs, the inside zone run scheme and duo for a month. And what does Michigan do? Come out and run nothing but gap yeah. all game. I, I hold on. Let me, I want to make sure I get this number right because this blew my mind. 14 of uh, that can't be right. Hold on. 14, 17. There we go. 17 of Blake Coram's 19 carries gapped. Not zone all year, the exact opposite, just crazy. I thought again, little tweaks like that, but yeah. Um, Samaj, a few people have said this about you let Samaj be Samaj. I mean, we've seen his character, we you know, I'm not worried about him. And and I, I saw some tweets today from you know, he was meeting with Desmond after and some tweets from his family, and that dude's in a good spot. I have no worries about him, he's going to be an absolute superstar for Michigan next year. So all right, we're already at the hour mark. We've talked about Washington kind of dropped in throughout the episode. So let, let's get into this a little bit. The, the one thing I want to touch on, because again, I'm just, I'm a big fan of it. I'm, I know Bill Connolly over at ESPN has said for now he's factoring in these bowl games, but he's kind of going to figure out a way to adjust because Georgia getting to beat down half, <laughs> half of Florida State has now moved them to the number one spot. Right. And that feels a little, <laughs> um, <laughs> but Michigan still, you can see a pretty wide gap here again, in terms of where they had them with Alabama, it was seven or eight points. That's how this ended up going. So if we're looking at this, we know Michigan's offense comes in as 12th again, typically efficient, not explosive. We saw nine big plays in this game runs and passes again, kind of just a little bit different than maybe we would have expected. Washington comes in at number 12. Mm -hmm. on this list. And this is a team that has, again, one of the more explosive offenses in college football, along with their PAC 12 partners, Oregon are number one. When you think of these top ones, LSU with Jaden Daniels, obviously number two on the list. Um, but they, a, when I think about that 2021 Ohio state team, Josh, cause I agree. I think that's probably the best comparison off the top of my head. Just that, that, that feels right. 
in terms of the quality of the quarterback and yep. NFL talent at receivers, right? They were destroying people, right? I think last year, 22, they had double-digit wins in every game, but mm-hmm. Michigan, right? Washington hasn't been scoring a ton of points for how good their offense is and for the numbers they've been putting up. They've played – I don't. I wish I had this right in front of me. I was thinking about this, but they've played – how many single-digit wins do they have this yeah. year? Yeah. They've played everyone close. Um, I didn't think Oregon yeah. – or excuse me. I didn't think they would beat Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game just because they won by three at home. The, the team that lost usually has a huge advantage in a rematch on a neutral site. So I never even really thought – they were going to get in the playoff, let alone to the national championship. And that's not a huge knock on them, but as electric as their offense is, it's not crazy high scoring. And Josh, you brought up the defense. You can see S and P plus here ranks them 44th. Right. And look how similar they are to LSU. Yeah. Who lost multiple games this year against better teams. So for, for Washington to be undefeated, when you're looking at this on paper, um, I it, it's hard for me to not be confident. In years past, maybe not, but I've seen Michigan win games like this. I saw them once again with the deep ball threat against Milrow, not give it up. Yep. Right. Yep. Michael Penix is going to get some throws. Right. Roma Dunze, if it wasn't for Marvin Harrison, would be the clear cut best wide receiver oh, absolutely. In, in college football. And some you could argue numbers wise, maybe he had a better year than Marvin. That's a different thing. I thought those are good players. They're going to make plays. You're not going to shut them out. And I think that's really the key to this. And I think that's where Josh, I, me- I wish I remembered exactly what you said earlier, but Michigan's kind of accepted like in the past Don Brown was don't give them an inch. Don't give them an inch. We're going to shut them down. We're going to take Saquon Barkley out of the game. No, you're not. Yeah. And when you try to do that, that's how you get beat. Right. So I, I, I just, I can't help, but feel confident with everything Michigan's done for the past three years, arguably right. In terms of defensive scheme, especially this year, and, and that offense, I just, I don't know. I'm not saying Washington can't win the game, but I'm having a hard time feeling spooked. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, yeah, I, I do think there there is a path. For... Sorry, the, the Michael Penix puns are ready to fly in the comment section. <laughs> well, the, uh, Michigan's got a couple of things going for them, right? They've faced Penix before. Yeah, they lost, but that was under a Don Brown defense. You've got tendencies with him at Indiana and also at Washington with, with tape. Um, I think Washington's wide receivers are better than two 20, 21 Ohio state's receivers. Uh, yes. Or yesterday they were insanely efficient. There were like 19, like 19 catches off 20 targets or something like that. It was, it was something ridiculous, which is not sustainable, but I think for Michigan's defense, it, it, you you're fine with keeping the ball in front of you. And that's what they've done so well against Ohio state is they've kept everything in front of them and haven't got the lid taken off of them. Um, yeah. Eventually at some point you're going to get scored on if you keep things in front of you, because eventually you're, they're going to chunk their way down the field. But I think Michigan's perfectly fine with, you know, a, a 350 yard performance by Penix if they get the win. You know, look at uh, look at Stroud in in twenty one. I mean, they he had what like four hundred yards passing or something like that, just under, yeah. yeah, and and still lost. I think you they'd be totally fine with that as long as they keep things in front of you and avoid the big play. That's something that they've done so well with all year is avoiding the big play. And yeah, you're gonna get 
scored on. You're going to get the big plays on you at some point, but limiting those plays and shutting down the pass it that Michigan that's that that plays right into what Michigan does so well. You know, it's, it's, and especially if, um, if Johnson is, is banged up enough to where he's not going to be effective. If you're one dimensional on offense, you're going to have a tough time with Michigan's defense because they are very good at taking away your strengths. And if your best strength is passing and they take that away, you got to get creative. And, and I mean, obviously we'll see if they can do that, but I think Washington's strengths will play into what Michigan's strengths is on defense. I mean, will Johnson shut down um, Jermaine Burton yesterday? Uh, Josh Wallace shut down the other side mm-hmm. of the field. And, you know, Rod, like you said, Rod Moore, huge plays. Uh, Makari Page, huge plays. Guys have seen a lot of football. They've gone up against a lot of really good receivers. I don't think they're sitting there shaking in their boots at all um, looking at what – what uh, Washington's going to bring to the table on Monday. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that this Michigan defense is going to be by far the best defense that Washington has faced all year. And it's it's 100%. like not even close. And 100%. with how great Will Johnson and Josh Wallace played yesterday, I don't know how anyone could feel confident picking Washington in this game. Michael Penix is great. I, I didn't get to see a lot of the game, but I, I I looked up at the TV every now and then, and it seemed like he was always completing a pass or, or whenever they were showing his stats, he was – what he finished with? 300 and – high 300s and yards? What was he, 400s maybe? He was like know, three, but... He was like 350 yesterday. 350. Something, like, something like that. Around – it was like the it was like the mid to upper 300s. Okay. Yeah, I mean – He's a great player. Uh, he deserved to be a Heisman finalist, but like you said, Josh, if, if Dylan Johnson is out and and Michigan knows that Washington's going to throw on 80% of the downs, they're, they're just not going to win. They, he's they have for, no he chance. He threw for 430, excuse me. 430. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, he's, he's a great player, but if Michigan knows that Washington's going to throw the ball every down, then – they just have absolutely no chance. The Michigan defense is too good. And even if, even if Dylan Johnson does play, Michigan Michigan's defense is still really good to the point where they know they know Washington is going to throw it more times than they run it. And Jesse Minter has had enough experience of stopping, you know, teams like Ohio State. There aren't, I guess there aren't a whole lot of explosive offenses in the Big Ten, but but Jesse Minter's a good enough defensive coordinator where he knows what to do in situations like these against these these high power offenses where where they just throw the ball. I I will point out one other thing that there were a few games I think in the middle of the season maybe it was uh, the Arizona State game if I remember correctly and, and maybe a few others where Washington just couldn't do anything on offense. I think they scored 15 points. It, Maybe it was the Arizona State game. Maybe you guys or seventeen. It was it was something in in the yeah. teens. 15, and, 15 to seven against Arizona State. Yeah, and, and Shady Bill was right. Ten straight single digit victories. Yeah, and so there there have been times this season where Washington has just gone completely quiet on offense. I think 
I won't say for for certain this could be one of them, but you're going into a national championship game against the best defense in the country and clearly the best defense you've played all season. I wouldn't be surprised if Washington came in a little shell shocked and just can't put up points and 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 Michigan ends up just cruising to I, I won't I won't predict this, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if Miss Michigan cruised to a 20 21 24 point victory just because Washington can't move the ball. I think real real quick and and I know I've seen some comments here about, you know, uh Washington's offensive line winning the Joe Moore award. You look at their offensive line, their starting center, it weighs 275 pounds. Yeah, <laughs> Mason gonna... Mason Graham <laughs> and Kenneth Grant are looking at that and just drooling yep. down their front. Just yeah. thinking that they just—I mean, they're—they're they're light. They're—I mean, yes, and they're athletic, and and um, Penix gets the gets the ball off quick. Um, <laughs> oh God! Oh no! Uh, that was accidental. That was premature. Damn. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. I totally lost my lost my train of thought too. Oh yeah, I was gonna say Texas. Thank you, John, for reminding me. Texas, panics on his mind. Yeah, I got some panics <laughs> on my mind. Um, Texas, yeah, he was very comfy in the pocket yesterday. So I would like to see th- what he's like with pressure, and I think the f the athleticism of Michigan's defense and the 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 s- more slimmer athletic offensive line that's going to be a curious chess match to see what's going to happen because uh mason graham and kenneth grant if you don't know are are very good players and they were destroying alabama's offensive line of vaunted five stars and talented players just absolutely destroying them so i think this chess match is going to be a really good one on on monday and 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 i'm curious uh, to, to really see how that offensive line competes with Michigan's defensive line, because again, they're multiple, they're going to come at you and they're not going to, they're going to be unrelenting. And you just have to hope that you have a game plan for them. The, the biggest thing that has stuck out to me watching Washington this year, their strategy in terms of the balance of offense and defense and, and, how they want to handle possessions and things like that is the exact opposite of Michigan in that I joked. It's like watching a kid play Madden. They could not care less about time management rules or, you know, like trying to run the ball or kill a little bit of clock here and there. Like they go out there and run every single possession. Like it's the first of the game. They don't care. They never stop doing what they do. Right. And I've seen it cost them or almost cost them multiple times. Texas should have had no business getting back in that game. Starting with like eight minutes left in the game, they're they're snapping the ball at 15, 20 seconds left on the clock. They're not trying to run it. They're still throwing a bunch of balls and getting incompletions. I know the last possession, Washington has the injury and they're forced to take the timeout. And that helps them there in terms of getting Texas the ball back. But like when the time comes for them to be tough and i'm not saying they're not tough but when that time comes where it's like okay take over the game win it let's put it away yep they can't do it 
mm-hmm. and they don't e- and they don't even try to, right? So a team like that, again, you you said how many yards did he have? Penix have four thirty eight or something like that, right? And you beat Texas, who has one of the worst pass defenses in the country, thirty seven thirty one, right? And that that's a huge number for them, right? They've scored thirty four in Oregon, but look at this. 24-21, Washington State. 22-20, Oregon State. 35-28 over Utah. USC was a bar murder, 52-42. But, like, Michigan, because of the, the gap in defense here with how Michigan's played Iowa, Penn State, Ohio State, Bama on this run that they've been on, I think Michigan is going to be able to come out and do what they want on offense and control the ball and control the clock and limit possessions. And I think Washington's going to come out frustrated, almost like, oh, we finally have the ball back, right? And they're they're going to waste possessions. That I think that's going to be the biggest advantage in this game is Washington hasn't played like this, and they've never helped themselves out before either. So even if Washington does have a lead at some point, I don't think they have what it takes to put Michigan away. You know, I, I don't want to say the same thing as what happened as Bama. That's a, that's a different animal it's a completely different game but i just i think this is such a bad matchup for michigan washington it's funny to say they're old school now because what they're doing very much took over football in the mid 2000s and you know the early 2010s alabama had to finally make the change to a more athletic quarterback right that was a big deal for him going away from like the greg McElroy's. but if that's the kind of game Penix has to have for you to win by six mm-hmm. It's, it's just, there it is, John. I spoke for three minutes and you nailed it. They don't play complimentary football. Yep. And, and that, that's the big thing for me. I think, you know, and on the offensive line, Josh, you talked about this with their interior. They're much stronger at the tackle positions than they are at guard. But even then they haven't given up a lot of sacks, but their left tackle has given up 21 pressures this year. Mm-hmm. Right. You can get to them and their guards. Make sure I get this right. 16 pressures, both of them, 16 pressures. That's a lot for guards to give up. Zach yeah. Zinter gave up five all year, Yeah, right? You're giving up 16 pressures, and you're not going against Mason Graham, Kenneth Grant, Chris Jenkins, right, Cam Good. Uh, Josh, I've seen the comments. Rayshon Benny, we do not expect him back, right, at this point. like, Yeah, I'm not 100% sure he's going to be back. It doesn't look good right now at yeah. the at – the, at, right now sorry i kind of threw that on you but that, that that's just where i was so again not trying i don't want to be like oh homer and you know washington doesn't stand a chance but that's just again on paper i'm looking at this and i'm looking at the s p and i'm looking at their other games and unless washington is able to hit deep ball touchdowns yeah so crucial touchdowns you have to score mm-hmm. from 30 40 50 yards out because if you get in the red zone Right, as good as Alabama is in the red zone, again, arguably, I think they were the best red zone offense. We saw it in that overtime. Adding that 12th defender, right, the back of the end zone really changes the way the offense moves, the play calls they make, everything. So if you're not scoring from far out, even if you get a deep play to the 18, okay, we still think we're going to hold you to a field goal, right? So that's where I'm at. I I haven't picked a score yet. It's still early. I want to dig into it, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if Michigan wins this comfortably. I don't think if I, somebody asked about the under hitting, I lean towards yes. Cause I think Michigan's going to want to really drag this game out. Yeah. Frustrate the hell out of Washington by boring them to death. 
Um, so I, I wouldn't be shocked if it's 31 to 10 or something crazy like that. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's what I'm going to end up picking. That's, probably, that's the, you know, that's the score. It wasn't, that's the score. It wasn't 2021. I think 31. Oh my to God. 10. That'd be amazing. If I just pulled that. Out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think the big thing is that, you know, Michigan's obviously proven that they can milk. Clock. Ah! You're <laughs> right. It wasn't 31 10. That's amazing. Thanks, Brock. You just made my night for me. That was awesome. (laughs) I think the big thing, Michigan has proven that they can milk the clock. I don't think Washington has proven they can milk the clock. And obviously they want to run fast by giving. So if, if Michigan can control the time of possession, it's going to be really tough for, I mean, you, they would have to be efficient beyond efficient. Washington, I'm talking about Washington on offense to 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 win this game. Yeah. If Michigan scoring on all but one or two possessions, right? Or something crazy yeah, like that. they yeah. do. If if Michigan does what they always do and just bleed the clock and just brute force you to death, uh, the the possessions are going to be like gold. I mean, it's it's excuse me, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. So, I mean, obviously, we'll we'll see what happens and and how both teams are game planning for each other, but I just Michigan's depth on defense. They're, they're going to give you a chance 10 out of 10 times. And that's really going to be the difference maker here is that, you know, all of those, that depth that they're going to throw at you, can you withstand that? And, you know, if Michigan can shut down the pass and and force Penix into some mistakes here, It's I, I find it tough to, to find a scenario where, you know, th- that Washington can do something other than, you know, that make explosive plays. They had 12 oh, yeah. possessions against Texas, only four touchdowns. You're not getting 12 possessions against Michigan. No, I almost wonder if this year for Michigan in the playoff compares to last year for Georgia. And I'm not comparing this year's Michigan team to last year's Georgia team. But last year, Georgia had a a nail-biter against Ohio State where the Buckeyes could have won if if they had made that field goal. And then then Georgia went in and and curb-stomped TCU. And I'm not saying that Michigan's going to beat Washington 65-7 to or whatever the the national championship game was last year, but I almost wonder if Michigan's nail-biter came in the semifinal this year against Alabama, just like Georgia's against Ohio State last year. And then Michigan goes in and wins comfortably, like you said, Trevor, maybe by a couple touchdowns against Washington. I almost wonder if it's that kind of situation for Michigan because I just, I like you guys have both said, I really don't think Washington matches up well against Michigan. It's, it's going to take, like you said, a lot of efficiency on offense from Washington, lots of deep touchdowns. Uh, yeah, lots of big play touchdowns, things like that. Uh, and really, it also take even if Washington hits on all those things, it would take a lot of ineptitude from the from the Michigan offense, which I, I can't predict because Washington's defense is is like Swiss cheese. So, uh, yeah, I, I, you guys, have, I think you guys have talked me into it. I, I was originally thinking maybe a touchdown or ten points for for Michigan, a seven to ten point win, but I'm. I'm Leaning now more toward a, a two touchdown, two touchdown and a field goal, 17, 14 to 20, something like that point victory. Yeah. And, and 
again, Michigan, maybe they make mistakes like they did in Bama and some things compound or whatever. I, and that's, that's obviously possible. Um, but it, again, just on paper, uh, I want to call this out because Shadyville is a hundred percent correct. The, the mirroring of the 2014 season here. So this is the first college football championship since they've gone to this format to not feature an SEC team since 2014 when Ohio State played Oregon. So Ohio State beat Alabama in the semifinal, and that was like a huge deal to upset Saban, and they, they out-toughed him and whatever. And then they went on to play this high-flying Oregon offense and, of course, won a national championship. So there's some interesting parallels to that. Um, it's just where I am right now. And again, I, I'll, I'll dig in more and, and see what I stumble onto if there's anything to move me. But as I've watched Washington just at different points throughout the year, that's just what stuck out to me. Like Penix makes throws where I go, whoa, right? He, he makes great throws. Uh, Roma Dunze looks like an NFL receiver to me, right? They have some speed with Jalen McMillan and uh, the former Michigan State guy, a little Jeremy Bernard, right? Um, but I just the the way they run their team with just like complete disregard for for that balanced. I already forgot the the term that was used, but uh, the the balanced of offense, defense, special teams, and and Brock to your point too. Being here before in some element, right? Washington after the game, the way they were talking, I was kind of impressed. Where they're just like, yeah, we knew we were going to win. You guys keep doubting us, whatever. Complimentary, thanks, John. Um, yeah, we're going to win the next one, like it kind of reminded me of Michigan last year, right? To, a little, almost too cocky, right? Like mm -hmm. it, a lesson learned thing. Um, and I think too, like Michigan has literally been building for this all year, right? Washington's goal was obviously to win a national championship. That's every team's goal, right? But when you talk about Michigan with, the beat Georgia drill. They, they, they have literally been talking about this all year. And I, I think they're just going to show up knowing like this win validates everything. It, it really does, man. And when we go back to the narratives we were talking about, especially everything around the stealing scandal and the, not just the 21 and the 22, this era, this three-year window, not just those guys, man, uh, Jake, Butt. Right. And the 2016 team who Brock, <laughs> I, was at, I was at a party watching the game and somebody brought up the clip where you told Jake, but to his face, he's never been on a dominant Michigan football team. <laughs> I, I had to tell them I was sitting there like so anxious because I wanted to cut you off. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then you cut to Jake and he goes, I got to defend that 2016. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I mean, oh boy, the 2016 team guys that have played for Harbaugh. I mean, farther back than that, even right. The the guys like Brandon Graham, who who fought through the Rich Rod era, right. And, and then even further, we we've seen Desmond and Charles Woodson and Tom Brady and these goats who have done. I mean, in the case of Charles, they've won a national championship and, and Desmond, they both won Heisman trophies. And Tom Brady is literally the greatest quarterback of all time. And what this team means to them, like genuinely, like their reactions and the clips we've seen and the social media, like what this means to them, yeah. this, this, 
this team has so much weight on them and they've carried it. Just, it's been so impressive. We, we've talked about the character of this team and the leadership and just the way they've handled this and they've turned the talk into reality. I just, this, I hate using the destiny term. I, I hate using that, but there's just moments in sports where it just feels like it's almost a foregone conclusion. It would be shocking, like utterly shocking to see Michigan not win this because everything has just lined up for him in this spot, right? Uh, mm-hmm. The Red Sox in 2013 with, with the Boston bombing and everything that happened there. It just, that team had that vibe, right? Just from the beginning. That's how this Michigan teams felt all year. So that's where I'm sticking again. We'll, we'll get some final scores. We'll have predictions from the staff, which you guys should follow because we were all really, really close this week. I was really impressed. Um, I had 28, 20, so I missed it by one. Dennis got it on the nose, but everybody had like high twenties for Michigan, low twenties, or even in the teens for Bama. So um, I looked at our friends over on the Bama site and some of their predictions, and they were all predicting like double digit blowout win for Bama. So I was very proud of ourselves to be mm-hmm. as accurate as we were there. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we're at an hour and a half long. We ran a little long again, but hey, th- this was a this was a good show. Lots to talk about. Obviously, Michigan winning the Rose Bowl. We we could talk about this for a while, and then national championship man national championship just it's it's crazy so and then we don't know what the future holds right as, as jim harbaugh likes to say he was asked about it again <laughs> he made some joke about i've got a very happy flight to ann arbor in front of me right but i i see that and i see jj laugh when he said that like pat him and just the way they interact with each other and it's just i don't know man that the, they've got their own thing and i think it's funny that we're trying to figure out what's going on i feel like they're laughing at us at times when we, when we try to bring up the hardball stuff. So we got a week of coverage again over at michigan.rivals.com premium content. Um, I think somebody called me out in a positive way. Derek, I think it was said something, you know, I'm yeah, we know Trevor will be bringing some numbers to the table camp. Oh, thank you. Can't wait to read the breakdowns. Yeah. I've already started. That's going to be my thing. I'll be putting out some by the numbers pieces this week. Brock and Josh will be in Houston covering the national championship on the ground for us. So you're going to want to make sure follow us everywhere. Brock had so much good stuff this week, man. Obviously he was at the bash and all the different events in the media, but the photos and the videos and everything that you had, it was very nice to live vicariously through you (laughs) the last few days as you were at the Rose bowl, man, just a cool experience. So again, those of you watching us live, taking part in the comments, asking the questions, always love having you guys here. If you missed us live, subscribe here on the YouTube channel. Like, notification bell. Know when we go live. Like tomorrow with Toski and myself doing cut-ups, film review of the Rose Bowl. Probably going to be the first half, I'm assuming. that's We did four hours with Ohio State, so I can't imagine. <laughs> yeah, we did two two-hour episodes. So <laughs> can't imagine. Hopefully this one's a little quicker. We'll see. But And then, of course, if you're not already a member of Amazing Blue Review at michigan.rivals.com. Now's the time to sign up. Now we've got putting a bow on the recruiting class, obviously already turning forward to 2025. There's some guy named Bryce, arguably Bryce, Bryce, something he's committing in a few days. That might be important. We're talking yeah, about that some, over there. Some guy. Some yeah. Guy. Over, Overton. Anyway. And then uh, that's Underwood, by the way, Trevor isn't being serious. He knows it's Underwood for those listening. I've debated you can't pick up sarcasm. So I got this, <laughs> I got this interesting little nugget and I've been debating how I can start a campaign 
where everybody knows that Brian Kelly wants to coach the Patriots. They've already lost their offensive coordinator. We need to spread this like fire that Brian Kelly is trying to get out of LSU. He can no longer keep up the Southern accent. He's tried and it's, it's just impossible for him. <laughs> Can't hang in the sec. <laughs> I, I don't know what he was. Sorry. I could go on that for a while. I don't know what you are. The winningest coach in Notre Dame history, Notre Dame. And you're like, no, nah, they don't give me enough. I'm going to go to LSU. Like, <laughs> how do you burn the bridge of winningest coach in Notre Dame history? They were going to love you forever. You kill the kid. Yeah. <laughs> they still love you, dude. Like, what the hell? I have very oh. strong opinions about Brian Kelly. Sorry. He was at Grand Valley back when I was there. And the, the guy is just, I, I'm sorry he's sad down there. That's too bad. Um, <laughs> but anyway. We'll be following along with that stuff over at michigan.rivals.com. So make sure you join us. Yeah. Yeah. Kelly wants the Michigan job. Yep. Yeah. Ain't going to get it. Nope. That phone is not getting picked up, brother. Oh, that, that's going straight to voicemail. Yeah. Sorry. Voicemail's full too. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I don't know what he was thinking going down there. Like Notre Dame fans got to feel pretty good <laughs> right now that like, even with Jade Daniels Heisman season, that was still only what they were able to accomplish. And, Notre yeah. Dame feels like, and then they stole the OC. Yeah. L L O L. Yep. All right. Anyway, Michigan Rose Bowl champs won a playoff national championship on Monday. Josh and Brock will be there. Make sure you're here with us, Michigan.rivals.com. And of course, next week when we're hopefully recapping the 2020, what would you call it? 23 or 24? I always mess that 23. up. 23. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Yeah. They're going to have 24 on their jersey. That's annoying. But anyway. Hopefully, we're recapping a national championship win for Michigan. Until then, we'll see you soon here at Hail to the Podcast.